if your identity is wrapped up in your job title or even in your family structure, those things change. During the changes of life, we can almost find ourselves lost. So stay tuned today as we start talking about this a little bit. And I'll tell you about some of the changes that, that I've seen in my life and how my identity changed, how it kind of led to, uh, maybe you could call it a midlife crisis or some depression. But uh, let's talk about these things here. Hey everybody, this is Matt Stallman here with the Reality of Mission podcast. And the podcast today is going to be a little bit unique. Um, I'm in a different setting here today. I'm actually at Minneapolis at the airport. I have the time on my hands today and I have a burden on my heart. So I'm going to go ahead and try to record this, see how it sounds. And if there's any background noise, please forgive me for that. So uh, I want to talk a little bit today about finding our identity, who we really are. Now, most of us, if you're in the ministry in any way, if you're a pastor, if you're a teacher, um, work in the ministry somehow or a missionary we kind of take that as a tag that that's who we are and somebody asks what do we do or who are we we kind of fill in those blanks well i'm a husband or i'm a preacher i'm you fill in the blank whatever you are but i want to look deeper at this today all of those things are temporal all of those things come and go you may no longer be a pastor or a missionary one day and if we find our identity and our enjoyment in those titles then you could be very sad one day so getting started here, I want to I focus in on a verse here. Uh, we're going to go to Colossians chapter number 3. Now, in the book of Colossians, of course, the, the subject matter is Christ. And we're making much out of Christ in the book of Colossians. And as we get to these uh, verses here in chapter number 3, uh, we're going to see the priority of Christ, I guess the importance of life, Christ in our lives. Uh, verse number 1, chapter 3. It says, if you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, which Christ, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above and not on things of the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. And then these next few verses, or the next few words out of this verse for number four, listen, it says this, when Christ, and then it has this little phrase separated out by commas. It just So Paul's going to describe Christ again, just in case someone has forgotten the importance and the priority of Christ. He says, so when Christ, verse number four, and then he says these four words, who is our life? And if you were to try to fill in those words right now to describe your life, how would you identify yourself? I mean, when you first meet somebody or you sit down, you, you introduce yourself or, or you have to put on a name tag or uh, when we look in the mirror and we think about who we really are down deep in our heart, do you really come up with the conclusion that really at the very core of who I am, my being in my heart, I know that Christ is my life. So there's a stabilizing factor here. Again, I said this in the introduction is that all of the other identifiers of life have the tendency to change. Even if you're happily married for 40 years, you may lose a spouse and then you may find yourself single. So how are you going to identify yourself through these changes of life? Uh, for Kathy and I, we've raised four children and now our baby has turned 18 years old and I'm looking at the next few years possibly uh, having a home with no children in it. So my identity as a father and Kathy's identity as a mother, and th that was our primary role for so long, but we're coming to a change in that. Kathy and I left Africa years ago. We, uh, we wore the badge of missionaries. We did deputation. We had prayer letters. We had the prayer cards. We did the whole thing. And 
just after a little bit of time, a few years of ministry as missionaries, that kind of came crashing down on us and our identity kind of changed with that. And so I, I was thinking about this just recently. Um, boy, 2020 was a hard year for a lot of us, especially I think for, for pastors, because if you're in a business, um, you know, you make some people mad and, and you can win them back. But boy, as a pastor, it seemed like constantly in the ministry, we, we would alienate a group every single week. Someone is upset with us for decisions we made and the pressures of ministry really multiplied during 2020. Um, not only that, but during 2020, Kathy and I were going through a, a little bit of a financial crisis because our business at the time that supported us was uh, trade show related. So the first thing that happened in the spring of 2020 is trade shows begin to close down. And so um, the revenue stream that, that we had depended on for so long just started drying up. Uh, also in 2020, Nathan and Caleb, you know, had been kind of my right-hand men. They were, they were both really full-time with me in the ministry and full-time in the business. And I, I depended on them. They were my best friends. And so I watched them move from, from uh, their teenage years into their adult years and then watch both of them get married and leave. And just all of these identifying marks that I had, I guess the, the way that I related to others and, and the conversations that I had about who I was and what I did, it seemed as though it all sort of collapsed in on me at, at that same time. And really by the fall of 2020, I don't know how to describe it. I guess you could say midlife crisis, you could say depression. Uh, I would just say this, I became very broken. And during that time, I was, I was just looking and reevaluating life and thinking about, man, did I miss something somewhere? Where, where should I have been? Was this all of a mistake? And you're replaying all of these things through your mind. And of course, looking back on it now, I see that the Lord leads us into those places. I would say a very dark place and sometimes to remind us of his presence and who he is. And really the idea today, whether you're a missionary, this is the reality of missions podcast, because I think a lot of missionaries are going to be dealing with this, but, but really any Christians today, I want you to work through this kind of in your own heart, is if you lost everything you had today, who are you without those things? When your business collapses, when ministry collapses around you, when children grow older and leave, if a marriage fails or if a spouse dies, then who are you really? So um, let's kind of look at, at some of these thoughts. First of all, um, our identity. Paul says Christ is our life. You understand the reassurance there. Out of everything that you can have in this life, there is really only one eternal thing that is a constant. I, Kathy and I have been happily married for 25 years, and I... I have great confidence that, that we'll, we'll continue in, in that marriage and that things will go well. But the truth is there's no guarantee. Uh, one of us could get sick. Uh, there are things that happen inside of marriages that almost seem unexplainable sometimes. And I have thought before, well, if something happened to her, I would be done. I, I, would, I wouldn't know what to do. I'd be lost without her, whether the Lord took her, whether she came down with an illness, or whether she left one day, I thought I could not exist apart from her. But Paul had a way of understanding who Christ was. Let me, let me tell you something right now, is that Christ not only saves from sin, but Christ satisfies. And if you're looking 
or your satisfaction or your identity in some other way, you have missed the point. Because first and foremost in this world, if you're a follower of Christ, your identity is wrapped up inside of Christ. And that is so refreshing. Whether it's a financial collapse or whatever it is that comes our way, that is unmovable and unshakable. And so I want to challenge you right now just to go ahead and, and give the things in your life that you have, I guess maybe you've taken control of yourself, tried to own your family, tried to, try to dictate how life's going to be lived, try to plan your future, whether you would have children or not have children or how your business would go or what your ministry would be like, Corinne. None of that really is inside of our control. Giving those things over to the Lord, it may seem like in the moment that it's a hardship, that it, this is a difficult thing, but the reward of giving these things to the Lord lets us bring our focus back on Christ, and it really brings us to a place of peace and contentment. Do you have peace in your life today? Do you live in fear that you may lose something, that you may have to restart, that, that you might lose control, that your church may fold, that they may call another pastor, that you may have to leave your field, that your marriage may not last, right? So God works peace in our hearts through the relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. So that like the Apostle Paul says some of these amazing statements, he says, you know, that uh, uh, stuff like all of those that will be in Asia, have forsaken me. Or he says stuff um, at, at the first, no man stood with me. How could Paul stand alone? Well, the key is Paul was never standing alone. Christ was standing with him. And here he is, he's found his identity. He's found his satisfaction in the person of Christ. And in that position, you can stand in the greatest adversity. So before we go on to another thought here, why, why don't we just do this? Why don't you take a moment and just bring these things to the Lord? Maybe you need to pause the podcast for a second and just be honest with the Lord. Lord, uh, I found my identity as a pastor. Lord, my identity is wrapped up in my marriage. My, I live for her. I love her or, or him if you're a lady. Uh, or maybe you're single and you've been looking, expecting, waiting for that man to come in on that white horse, you know, in his shining armor to come and come and rescue you and Maybe right now, as you pause this, you can just stop and say, Lord, I recognize you as my life. My identity, first and foremost, is in the person of Jesus Christ. So first thing is our identity. The second thing is our affirmation. Um, so uh, another thing that I, I have experienced in life, some of the, the pain that I've experienced in life, and I guess this is maybe a little bit of a confessional podcast here today, is just... Uh, some things that, that man, it's, it's hurt me in the past and things I've suffered through. I mentioned the, the loss of the business in 2020 and, and ministry changes and losing our identities as missionaries, as a father. But I've also struggled with the idea of affirmation. I have many times in my life looked to a ministry partner or to my spouse as, as the one that, that I'm out to please. I need their approval. I'm constantly looking to people for affirmation. And what that does in my life is it kind of leads me down a dead end road because that affirmation, it, it ebbs and flows. There's times where, I, I mean, it's there. I, you know, I, I do a good job. I get the pat on the back. I, I get a smile. Um, there's an applause. But can I tell you more often than not, 
if I'm seeking the approval of men and affirmation from some person, I don't find it. And it just leaves me in this constant frustration. And so to, to, to be personal on this, let's, t let's talk about marriage because this is an area where we, we constantly struggle in this. Everyone, if you're married, you've poured your heart into some idea, something that you've done, and, and you thought this will be the greatest. There's never been a better date. There's never been a better gift. You pour your heart into something, and, and there with great eagerness and expectation, you present that to your spouse, and they look at it, and they shrug and say thanks, and they walk away. And, boy, that, that crushing feeling that we've all had when it comes to something like that, or, or a pastor, you know, you... You create a sermon and, and you study over it. You pour your heart into it. You pray over it. You fast. You, you dig through the scriptures. You get excited. You start to tease people with it to tell them how, how fantastic it's going to be. And then you present it. People stand up. They walk out of the service. No earth-shattering experience. Just, thanks, Pastor. Or as a missionary, you know, we go to a mission field. We have expectation that that the gospel tracts are going to bring forth fruit, that, that people will want to be discipled, that the pews will be filled, that the baptistry waters will be stirred. And, and what we find is we constantly live in disappointment because we're looking to someone else to give us affirmation of our worth. I, I need that pat on the back. I need that approval. I need those words of encouragement. I need somebody to tell me, hey, you got it done right. You're, you're strong enough. You're smart enough. You worked hard and, and it's going to succeed. It's going to work. And I've spent 25 years in ministry waiting on those words and looking for those words. I've spent 25 years in marriage waiting, waiting for that affirmation to come from my family. And, and the truth is, I've been a part of great churches. Uh, we've had good success in ministry and missions. Uh, our families walk with the Lord and we've got good kids and we've got a strong marriage, but no matter how good things are, that affirmation never actually comes the way that I need it to come. I'm still finding myself in a place of, of hungering for, for more approval, hungering for that. And, and I, I want to just give some marriage and ministry advice here. If you're waiting to feel appreciated and validated by your ministry or your, by your spouse, that is never going to happen. You'll never be good enough to where that you get the confirmation and validation that you're seeking from those types of things. So where do we go for affirmation to find out who we really are and to find out um, if we have what it takes is we go to the Lord. Now, I understand here today there's some theology out there that really talks about how how bad we are and how messed up our, our lives are and that we're just worms and, and stuff. But I want to I separate out here, and this is going to go to the next point also. I want to separate out who you were versus who you are. So before Christ, uh, we could go to Ephesians chapter number two here and look at that. But the scripture says there, you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. See, I have been made alive in Christ. I am now accepted in the beloved. I am now a child of God. And there is an appreciation, an affirmation, and an approval of God in my life that, that is almost incomprehensible. And I downplay it because I still look at me. And when I look at me, I find faults. I look at me and I, I, I know the, the secret recesses of my life that 
uh, places that, that other people can't see. And I, I, I almost come up with this humility that I have to put on this humility to say, I'm worthless. I'm nothing. I, I can't do anything, but I want to walk into a little bit of the spiritual side of what happens when a person is born again. So John chapter number one, verse number 12, we all know that to um, let's see them that believe he gave them the power to become the sons of God. So we were born into a new family with a new father. Jesus says, I think it's John chapter number eight to some of the Pharisees. He says, you're of your father, the devil, but we have been born into a new family and the approval from our father and the affirmation from our father is what we're seeking. And here's what I want to tell you. You have it. So yeah, brother Matt, you don't know what I did or you don't know what I struggle with. I'm dealing with laziness. I'm dealing uh, with some lust issues. I, I, I deal with pride. I know, but listen, your heavenly father has birthed you into a new family and he is pleased with who you are. He's not pleased with your sin. I'm not talking about your individual sin, but I'm talking about who you are as a person. He desires your fellowship. He desires to know you. He desires for you to come and to rest in his presence. And so when we get into this idea of affirmation, I just simply sometimes say, Lord, what do you think of me? I know what the church has thought of me. That was terrible. I know what my wife thought of me. Boy, that was, that was embarrassing. I know, I know what my kids just thought. But none of those things really satisfy that question in my heart. So, Father, what do you think of me? And I've asked that question a few times in kind of those moments of despair in life. And of course, we've never heard the audible voice of God, but I certainly have heard God through his word and by the Holy Spirit of God. Just say simple things to my heart to let me know that what he did for me, he, he ransomed me with his own blood. You think about the worth that Christ has attributed to you, that he would ransom you a sinner with his own blood, that he would wash you, that he would cleanse you. The Bible says, uh, in first Corinthians, he says, and such were some of you, but you are washed. And so we've got to get this idea of where we're looking for affirmation. If you're looking in your business, if you're looking at the career, if you're looking at your family or ministry, you're constantly going through this same cycle. You'll be up and you'll be down. But when you look to God, his affection for you and the affirmation of who you are in Christ, it is unwavering. It never changes. And so take your eyes off of others. Get alone with the Lord and just simply ask him, Lord, what do you think of me? And if you were to close your eyes and just think about it for a little bit in that, that moment of meditation and prayer, you could see the wounds of Calvary and see Christ as he, as he suffers. As he calls out on the cross, he says, Father, forgive them for they know what they do. As he lays down his own life, he sheds his blood. There he is dealing with your worth and who you are. So who were we? Yes, we were lost. Yes, we were vile. Yes, we were undone. Yes, we were unclean. Yes, in a thousand ways we were wrong. But who are you today? Boy, you're a child of God. You have peace with God. He's broken down this middle wall partition. I mean, we, we have peace. We get to come into his presence. We get to come before the throne of grace. We get to cast all of our cares on him because he cares for us. And so Think about who you're looking to. I'm telling you, 
there is so much peace and freedom in this change of heart. You could go to a mission field, spend your whole life there, never have a soul saved, and go to bed, bed satisfied every night if you're looking to God for affirmation. If you're in the will of God, you're looking to Him. So, first of all, our identity. How do you identify yourself? Christ is our life. And second thing is our affirmation. Who do you go to to find out who you really are? And then I want to go through a, a, a third thought here real quick. And a lot of these are related. These are just kind of random thoughts. But uh, I want us to look deep inside to, to look at our heart. Now, there, there is a caution that needs to be exercised here. When you look at the heart of an unsaved person, you will find that it is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. When you look at the, that heart of that unsaved person, you will find that inside of that heart, they are, they are seated upon their throne. That they rule and reign in all of the things that they do. But I want to give you a description of the heart and then kind of give you a little bit of uh, to, uh, thoughts to chew on here about what the heart of a saved person is or could be if you would let it. These are just some words I found in the scripture that describe the heart of a saved person. First of all, the Bible says you have a new heart. And then at one place it says that there is a pure heart. It, Jesus said a good man out of the good treasure of his heart. Uh, the Bible says there is a true heart. Romans 2 says there's a circumcised heart. There's a heart that Paul says that he put in our heart, it care for you. So there's a heart that cares uh, Paul says, uh, talking about giving, he says, let every man give as he purposes in his heart. So there's a generous heart. There's an obedient heart. There's an open heart like Lydia, Acts chapter number 16. There's a tender heart that we have towards the Lord. So he said, if the heart is desperately wicked, deceitful above all things, who can know it? And then you're telling me that there's also something good in your heart. All right, so there is something that happens to the heart of a saved person, and that's what we need to understand. He, uh, Romans chapter number 2, and verse number 29, it says there, But he is a Jew, which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. So a saved person comes to God with an unclean heart, uh, a deceitful heart, a wicked heart. When that say, unsaved person comes to God and he is born again in the spirit of God, God gives him what's called the, that new man. We have a new man and that new man is receiving a new heart. So notice what it says there in verse number 29 of Romans 2. It says there's a circumcision of the heart. And these are just some thoughts I'm having and I'm sure someone is going to complain about this. But God does something when a person is saved to circumcise their heart. What is circumcision in the Old Testament or even modern day? It is taking a scalpel and it is cutting away of the flesh. So it's cutting away that which was not needed or that which hindered. All right. So what God is doing in the heart of a saved person is he has separated the heart, that new man, the, the desires of the new man from the flesh, the desires of the old man. And so sometimes when we say we can't trust your heart, well, there's truth to that because what we're using that word heart as your own personal desires, which is technically the old man or your flesh. But inside the heart of man, that saved man, God has done some things in that heart. I want to worship from my heart. I want to love my family from my heart. I want to find what God has put down in my heart, and I want to pursue that. Um, I have all of the references for some of those verses written down here, and there's at least 10 or 15. 
New Testament verses that talk about this new heart. So I am not saying, hey, follow your heart, do whatever you want to do. I'm saying that inside of you, there is a new heart. And you may be refraining from doing some good things God put in your heart. Because you may be saying, well, you know, that's what I've wanted to do, so therefore I can't do it because I don't want to ever follow my heart. No, friend, be careful. Discern what is flesh, what is your own will, your lustful will, the old man, and determine what God has put in your heart, what that new man craves. Can I tell you something? God has put it in my heart to worship. I want to worship God. So I can't go to a worship service and and say, well, you know, I'd like to raise my hand and worship. I'd like to say something. I'd like to sing a song, but I, I don't want to do what's in my heart. No, that new man of mine, it craves. I crave in the inward man to worship the Lord. I, I crave to witness and bring people to Christ. It's in my heart to go to places where people have never heard and to tell them. So I'm discerning between my flesh, what my flesh and old man lust after versus this new man, what it craves. My, I crave the word of God. I love to hear it preached, love to uh, read it, I love to study it. So um, what is it when you were saved or when you seek the Lord, when you begin to pray, you find that quiet place and you say, man, God has put this in my heart and, and something inside of you, you press it down and say, well, no, I couldn't possibly do that because, you know, I could never do what's in my heart. Why don't you ask God to help you discern? God, take and 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 cautiously circumcise my heart. Make sure that the flesh, the old man, is so far divided from the new man that it's crystal clear to me what I'm supposed to do. Well, I've spent 25 years in ministry, and one of the greatest questions, or most often asked questions, keeps coming is, I don't know what to do. Well, that's, that is sort of silly for the new man. I mean, the new man, he's, he's, he's a child of God. He's been born in the Spirit of God. He's indwelled by the Spirit of God. Uh, you've got a new heart. How can we not discern what God is doing? Think about Nehemiah. Nehemiah goes to the king and he says, hey, God, put this in my heart. So you have to mature and grow up and figure out the purpose for your life. And that purpose for your life is going to be found, of course, in the word of God. And yes, of course, by godly counsel. But you need to discern what God is doing in your heart. Maybe God is moving you. Maybe God is doing something where he is drawing you to a new area of ministry. But inside the heart of man, the saved man, if you carefully discern, if you remove the flesh, then I, I believe a lot of us today just live unfulfilled, not because God hasn't given us work to do, but because we haven't gone deep enough in our own hearts to figure out what that work is. And we just sort of sit still and we'll follow maybe on the coattails of somebody else waiting to see if we can have a little part of their ministry or a little part of their fruit. When God really is putting some great vision and some great calling on our lives deep in our heart. So I understand the word of God gives us the big picture. I understand the spirit of God directs us. How does he direct us? Get to know your own heart. So ask the Lord, Lord, would you put it in my heart? The work that you want me to do, the place that you want me to do it, the people that you want me to do it with, and help me discern between the desires of the old man and his lust and the desires of the new man and this new heart that I have. So 
those are just some of the thoughts I have today. And again, coming out of a place, I, I didn't, I didn't really bear my heart and bear all the stories, but um, over the last 10 years, especially shifting through different ministries and different things, I have found myself greatly disappointed. Uh, you know, you read Spurgeon and some of these other men and Spurgeon, I believe called it fits of depression. How does a good man go so low? Well, our identity is in the wrong thing. It's in something that's movable. It's changing constantly. It's not stable. So make your identity in Christ. Our affirmation is coming from others. We're looking to the audience. We're looking to our family to give us affirmation, and that's just never going to happen. And in our heart, we haven't really studied our own heart according to the Scripture so that we would know what to do. And we live in a state of limbo. We're not sure whether to go or to stop. We're not sure whether to go left or to go right. You have to know what God wants you to do and get out of the limbo that you've been stuck in. So these are just some thoughts today from the airport. I hope, uh, I hope the recording is good. I hope that maybe the Lord spoke to your heart today. I want to be able to, with a, with a pure heart, a clean heart, be able to go after God. And if everything falls apart around me, still be able to smile and find affirmation to know that my identity is in Christ. And I believe that that's the will of God for all of us. So take some time today, seek the Lord, surrender all of these things to the Lord, ask him, reveal your heart to you, help you to know it, divide it from the old man so that you might know what to do. Praying that God would use this in your life today. I don't know who'll be listening. I'm sure somebody uh, shares some of the, some of the times of, um, crisis with me, some of the moments of depression, some of the moments of anxiety, and I hope that these three things just help you along this journey today. God bless you all.